Hi everyone, here's episode 24, the last episode of 2021. On today's episode, you're going to hear Lou tell her abortion story. Lou doesn't feel like her abortion was her choice. It was what her boyfriend at the time wanted, and because she loved him and trusted him, and she wasn't sure she'd be able to continue the pregnancy without him, she felt like that was the right thing to do. It's been two years since her abortion, and Lou is still grieving. She's still having a hard time moving on from this experience. She realizes now that the abortion wasn't what she wanted. She's grieving not just the loss of the pregnancy, but also the loss of agency and the loss of her choice. Nobody asked her how she felt at the time. Nobody asked her if this was her decision, if she was sure, if she needed more time. Nobody took care of her. and Nobody was there to support her. Lou reached out to me and asked if she could tell her abortion story on the podcast, and I'm so grateful that she did. She told me that in order to process this experience, she was hoping to listen to stories of people with similar experiences, but she hasn't been able to find any. She said that maybe by sharing her story, someone else who's going through something similar will be able to hear it and not feel so alone. Please remember that this is Lou's story. Some things might be hard to hear, and you might not relate with everything that she says, and that's okay. I hope that you listen with an open heart and remember that all abortion experiences are valid. All right, without further ado, let's begin. Hi, my name is Camilla, and this is Abortion with Love, a podcast dedicated to reclaiming the ways that we talk about abortion. Yeah, I think if sharing my story just helps one person, it kind of feels like maybe it brought some sort of purpose one meeting with. Hi, Lou. Thanks for being on the podcast today. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. That's good. How are you feeling today? How do you feel about being on the podcast? A little nervous, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I can understand. (laughs) Um, Maybe you can start with telling us where you are and set the scene a little bit. (laughs) Um, I'm in a really small country town in Australia. (laughs) A really, really small country town, but it's good. It's nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, feel free to start telling your story um, wherever you feel you want to start. For sure. Um, It's funny. I was thinking about it earlier and I was like, I remember exactly where I was. I was in the car driving home and I remember exactly where I was when I realized my period was late Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, that's weird. Like I, it's been like maybe six, seven weeks. Yeah. And I did not think anything of it. There was not one single part of me that thought maybe I'm pregnant. And I went home and I had dinner and did all that. And I was about to go to sleep. And I said to my partner at the time, I was like, I'll just go pee on a stick just to make sure. Like I'll just go double check but it'll be fine so I went into the bathroom and I didn't even look at it like I was so blase and so certain that I was absolutely not pregnant and brushed my teeth got ready and I picked it up and you know when your heart falls on the floor yeah my heart and my jaw fell on the floor and I laughed I was so shocked I I laughed and I went in to my partner at the time and I was like it's positive and I laughed and he his face turned very quickly 
And the first thing he said to me was, we'll make an appointment at the doctor's tomorrow and we'll get it sorted. Okay. And I remember feeling like that that sense of laughter and shock completely disappeared. Yeah. And I went into like just distraught mode straight away. I remember just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And I I don't I honestly I was in such a daze I don't really remember much of what happened that night. But I remember being like okay we're this is what's happening. There's no kind of going around what's what's going to happen. Um the next day I remember going to work and something I like Something changes in you. I don't know what it is, but something like I know some women don't feel it, but something changed for me. And all of a sudden, I felt different. I felt like part of me was excited. Like part of me was like, oh my God, this is, this is really great. And I was definitely wanting to keep it mm-hmm. I remember straight away thinking like the next day waking up and thinking no I like I want to do this yeah but I knew it it, it wasn't an option yeah from my partner and had his reasons and like so fair I guess but I remember thinking I just want to have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I called my friends and for a second I was like, I'm pregnant. And they were like, oh, my God. And then I realized I had to be like, oh, no, but um, it's like this is not happening kind of thing. Um. I remember calling my mum and telling her and I was in such a state of shock and confusion and almost despair maybe and I was looking so desperately to my – because like my parents live in England. I'm on the other side of the world on my own. Um, I was kind of looking to my mum for like – real support and almost like I wanted her to ask me like what do you want to do like how do you feel are you excited and my poor mom like my mom's an angel like god bless her but she just fell into absolute distraught mode she like started crying and she would never mean anything malicious by it but then I started being like oh my god no mom like I'm sorry are you okay and I remember thinking yeah what why am I supporting my mom? Like, I, this should be the other way around. Yeah. And she was just, like, coming from a place of she was worried that I was going to have it and then have kids and her not be there. Like, I know that's why she was upset. Yeah. And she was, like, concerned, wildly concerned, being like, what are you going to do? 
and I was like, it's okay, it's okay, like, my partner doesn't want to keep it, like, it's okay, it's okay. And she had to leave work. I remember her telling me, like, she went home from work just in pieces. Yeah. Um, That's hard to deal with and, and hard to hear. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I don't have an option here. Like, this, I really, really don't have an option. And part of me started to doubt myself and how, and I was like, maybe, maybe this is like, this is what I should be doing. Like maybe, um, maybe I should get this abortion and I couldn't have this baby. And I don't know whether it was said before or after, but my, my partner at the time said to me that he would leave me if I was to keep it well um it was whether it was said before I had it or after that whole part of my life is very hazy um and I remember thinking I can't do this on my own because I feel like society tells us we can't do it on our own like nobody ever assumes that yeah I would be capable of having this baby and doing it myself and I feel like that's a whole nother patriarchal issue in, in its own right. But yeah. there was never, I remember everyone said to me, what does he want to do? I remember like, what? Yeah. Like, what does he, what does he think? And my, my best friend in the world, she's a staunch feminist. She's fabulous. But I remember the, one of the first things she said to me was, what does he think? What does he want to do? Mm. And I remember thinking, I definitely can't do this alone. Um, I booked a doctor's appointment. And my whole experience with the medical professions with my abortion is particularly negative. I really felt let down in so many ways. Mm. Um but I went to the doctor and told her and she was like, oh my God, congratulations. And then like I started to cry and she was like, not congratulations. And I was like, no. Um, and it was really interesting. We were both there at the time. You and your partner? Yeah. But she only looked at me. She refused to look at him and she spoke directly to me and it's funny she knew what was like she knew what was going on she knew I didn't want to be there I could tell and she like said to me so we'll book it in for Monday then and I remember looking at him and looking at her and looking at him and looking at her and being like like yeah and I started crying again and I could tell by her face that she that she kind of knew what was going on. Like I was yeah. so sure she knew what was going on and she didn't say anything. And not that I expected her to say anything maybe in in front of him, but she could have been like, I think we should talk alone yeah. or maybe you should go and think about this and come back in a week or yeah. – 
And I just didn't get any of that. I felt like it was so, it was so cold and, and I suppose some people, I really struggle because I feel like there's so many women that have abortions and they are so set on their idea and it is what it is. But for me, it was such a traumatic, emotional ridiculous feeling that I've never experienced before so maybe yeah. like that's that's what she when she'd had she needed to be cold and clinical whereas that's not what I needed I yeah. didn't need cold and clinical I kind of needed a bit of sisterhood like what's going on chick yeah. do you know what I mean yeah um the also interesting thing is like she's my she was my regular doctor like okay. I'd seen her a couple times Okay. And she never, she never followed up with me. I never saw her again after okay. that appointment. Um, but she, she never followed up with me. And I thought, surely there's some sort of aftercare for these things. Like surely there's, surely, I don't know. I just felt like surely there's somebody that's going to check how I am. But yeah. I, I, it, it didn't happen. Um, sorry. Um, um, there was about a week, I think, in between having the doctors. It's like she made the appointment on the day, and I think it was about a week until it was the procedure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is like in in Europe or wherever, but in Australia, it's the same price, irrespective of whether you get like a, a medical abortion or a surgical abortion. Um, I was really conflicted on which one to have. I don't know whether you had the similar experience, but I decided to go for the surgical abortion. Okay. What were you conflicted about? Because well, it was COVID, so I had to do like go in on my own. I wasn't allowed mm-hmm. anyone with me. Um, so I thought it would be maybe particularly lonely um, yeah. or scary. It was, yeah, it was scary. But then also I know with a, like, the medical abortion, you, um, pa- you can pass it over several days. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which I was like I was living in a share house sharing a, a bathroom I guess and also I don't know whether that was something I wanted to go yeah. through in a house full of people yeah had we lived alone like maybe I, that's probably what I would have gone for but I didn't know whether I I feel like I wanted to go through that yeah sure in that environment um I was so nauseous the nausea was honestly a godsend because I was just like, I need this feeling to stop. I yeah. had no idea your body could make you feel that way. The yeah. only thing I could eat was rocket and lemon. Like everything else <laughs> repulsed me. It was appalling, the nausea. Um, the week leading up to it was very peculiar. I, like, my boobs were getting bigger. Mm. I... I suppose I hadn't – I don't know whether it was, like, 
part of it was maybe psychological. Like I knew I was pregnant, so I was noticing these things. Like the nausea, there was no way I was like dreaming that up. That was very <laughs> real. But like my boobs were sore. And it, that feeling of there being something inside of you, it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Like I, I never realized I could feel so much attachment to something that three days ago I didn't even know was there. Yeah. And I so desperately wanted him to turn around and change his mind. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 like, I kick myself every day. I'm like, you should have – I should have spoke louder. I should have maybe said something more. But also, like, he was somebody that I loved dearly and I his his opinion mattered to me. So, yeah. like, part of me was like, well, if that's what you think, well, then that's probably what's best. Like, yeah. it didn't – I don't think I particularly realised that my – opinion or or want or was being ignored because I don't know I I trusted him so much that yeah that was the the I guess the, okay well then that's the right decision yeah and in all honesty I don't think I know I don't think I realized sorry maybe up until about 10 months after kind of what like what happened yeah. or that I didn't I didn't really get a choice yeah which was like a, it was an, it was bizarre after the procedure for me. Like my feelings yeah. were bizarre, but I definitely don't think I processed what happened. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that. Like at the time, you were just so involved in the very specific everyday activities and feelings. Yeah, you, like didn't really get the chance to stop and figure out that maybe you wanted something different. I mean, it feels like you already had doubts from the start but it it feels like that in a time like this when there's also a lot of time pressure and like pressure from people around you that it's just hard to think bigger than you know this is what I have to do today this is you know what I have to do to get through this time now and I feel like or I can imagine that you kind of get into this tunnel vision yeah um, 100% don't really let yourself think outside of or bigger than and greater than the very specific motions that you're going through at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the day of, because I live like very rural in Australia, you have to go two, it was like two hours Mm. to um, get the abortion. And maybe because like I'd heard the word surgical, I assumed I was walking into a hospital, but (laughs) I walked into an office building Oh my gosh. <laughs> there was like a, a printer, like a an office <laughs> printer shop, like next to the clinic. It was so strange. It was literally an office building. I got in this rickety old lift. I remember thinking, we are we cannot be in the right place. Like what is happening? Um and I had to go in on my own. And it was it was strange. Nobody it was like it, it was like a waiting room to get laser. Like it was so like there's, there was other women in there and they were so obviously there for what I was there for. 
mm-hmm. and nobody spoke and nobody looked at each other and it was it was so dark feeling and, and cold and the the lady on the front desk wasn't particularly friendly mm. and i remember just thinking what what on earth is happening like what is going on <laughs> um i went in and i sat down and i waited for a while and they took me into a room and they did an ultrasound mm-hmm. and i remember desperately wanting like somebody to turn around and say to me are you sure and nobody said anything and I remember like I was I was crying I'm pretty sure I cried the whole way through and I kind of wish I'd have like they turn the monitor away from you you can hear but you like you can't see and maybe because my feelings towards it are very different to a lot of people's I kind of I regret so much that I didn't look mm-hmm. or like I, I wish I could have seen almost. Yeah. Which sounds maybe a bit bananas. Like I, I guess a lot of people would be like, don't, don't want to see. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people do also feel connected to the pregnancy and also want to see it. And it sounds like you felt connected. So it makes sense that you'd want to see it. Yeah. Um. So they took me, they did that, and I can't really – I can't remember what was said in that room. Um, I remember she told me that I was nine weeks, eight or nine weeks. And then they take you into a room, and she she was like, take your clothes off, put this gown on. And I remember being like, okie dokie. Um, and she was like, oh, you put, like, your underwear in a bag or something. And I went – I walked into this room, and it looked like a dentist chair. And there was all this noise and there was like two nurses and they was just like kind of pointed at the chair and was like, sit down there. And I mean, like, okie dokie. And then they like put my legs up in the stirrups and I have like no clothes on. I've got like a gown on. So anybody that's stood in front has got a, a real front on view of what's going on. And in walks this man and it, I can only explain he looked like something out of a cartoon. <laughs> He must have been about six foot eight, grey hair, glasses, oh old. <laughs> like he had a mask on, obviously because of COVID, but it was like under his nose, and all his nose hair was like sticking out the oh front. My goodness. And I just I, like I was like, "This is not real. This what is going on?" And nobody was talking to me, and I'm like crying and I'm like what is going on and they start putting things in my arms and I'm like starting to panic like syringes it was like oh um what are they called is it a it's like a drip almost that's whatever they put in your arm and then they inject the um anesthetic yeah um and so they, they were putting things in my arms and nobody was really talking to me and I was getting visibly panicked and she was like would it help if somebody told you what was going on and I was like yes yes like absolutely if somebody could tell me what was going on that would be lovely and by the like before she could even finish her sentence I was like they'd somebody injected me before she could even sort of tell me what was happening and I fell asleep wow 
And were you asked if you wanted anesthesia? No, no. Because there's different forms of pain relief and you should be able to have a say. Some people just get sedated, right? Yeah. Um, There's um, different different types of anesthetic options. um, Nobody... Nobody told me what was happening, and by the time she could finish her sentence, I was asleep. Mm-hmm. I remember waking up, and I was being, like, my feet couldn't move, and I was being dragged into a room, like, they'd put their, like, an arm under each shoulder, and two nurses were dragging me into a room, like, I, and I was shouting out for my partner, I was like, what's going on, and I was crying, and they just dumped me on a bed in this room. And my bag was next to me and I like, and I was just sobbing. I was sobbing. And she came in and she was like, what's wrong? Are you in pain? What's wrong? And I was like, what, where am I? Like, what is happening? I felt like the whole day, all I was thinking, what is happening? And I was like, I asked if my partner could come in and she was like, no, absolutely not. Like you just need to lay there for 20 minutes and then you can leave. And I must've started to come to, and I think I got my phone and I, I called him and he was waiting outside for me. And she came in and she was like, right, get dressed. And then off you go. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, get your clothes on. And then off you go. And then I walked out and I remember thinking, this is absolutely nuts. But also I I didn't know anything about abortions really. Like, yeah. I mean, it was my first hopefully only experience. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that that wasn't the norm, I guess. I remember walking down to the car and I just couldn't say anything. Like that, I had absolutely no words that could come out. And I, we pulled up at a shop and I was in the car in my own waiting and I just started vomiting and vomiting and vomiting out the side of the car. And we drove two hours home and I don't think I spoke much at all. And that was it. And I got into bed and I was like, now what? Like, I remember thinking my whole life has just changed. And it hadn't. Realistically, it hadn't. But I felt so different. I didn't feel like me. I felt like I had that immediate feeling and sense of loss I had straight away. And I, it's funny, I never thought I'd be that girl. Like, I've had friends that have had abortions and I've always been, like, so pro-choice and like it's nothing it's just cells like if you're not ready you're not ready like this is your choice and I had absolutely no idea that you could feel how I felt I like Mm -hmm. I didn't know you could miss something that you you didn't even have it was so peculiar so so peculiar yeah the next day I don't think I did anything and I, not many people knew. And I remember thinking, like, I went to, I ended up going to work that week. And I remember just desperately wanting to tell the people at work that this awful, awful thing had happened to me. But I remember thinking that I couldn't be upset about it because 
in inverted commas, I chose to do it. I remember thinking you like you went and did this like and I I suppose like I I walked in there like I I essentially chose to do it. Um and I had no idea that I was allowed to feel grief stricken or like yeah. upset about it. Nobody ever says you're allowed to feel upset or you're allowed to feel like you've lost anything. It's it's really peculiar. It's it's an f- experience and a feeling that I I'll never ever be able to like explain or describe. I've never felt anything like it. And I remember when I talked to my parents about it. Cuz this has been something that I I'm not able to let go of. I'm like 18 months in now and it's affecting me more now than it, it, it did at the time. Um, but I remember I, what I used to think. So I'm like, my friends and my family must think I'm absolutely bananas because I remember what I used to think about abortions and it would just be like, okay, it's just cells. You've decided to get rid of it and then you get rid of it and you move on with your life. and that was the right choice for you at the time and that's what you did and we don't talk about it anymore. Whereas at this point I feel like I'm 18 months in and it's consuming me. It's it's not something that I'm able to let go of. Straight after it happened, the next maybe three, two months, three months, I was so down. I was so, so upset. But not like a crying upset, just a numb upset. I, I slept and I worked. Mm-hmm. I was working like 72 hours a week. Crazy hours. Wow. I just worked and I slept and I worked and I slept. And if I went out, I could handle it for like a couple of hours and then I'd like I'd forget and then it'd come back and I'd be like, I can't, I can't cope. Like I just have to be at home. And I desperately wanted somebody to recognize that I wasn't okay. Yeah. Like, I feel like my housemates at the time were fabulous and they're some of my dearest friends. But I felt like nobody noticed because I was so sad and I was so consumed to my room. Yeah. Everybody just thought I wasn't that the fun girl that partied anymore. Yeah. And I I I remember being like, I'm not okay. Like I I can't handle this. Over time it started to disappear. That feeling of sadness. I think I just started to put it to the back of my mind. I don't think I I didn't think about it. I didn't deal with it. I just sort of kept working until I maybe forgot about it and this year in June this year it was a a year to the abortion and I started to build this day up so it was so big in my mind I don't know why I like part of me thought if I could have a good day on this day it could maybe make up for 
how bad that day was. And I, I don't know, it's kind of weird and twisted, but, and I wanted to do, I wanted it to be about me. I needed that day to be about Mm -hmm. me and what I wanted to do because I felt like the first time it wasn't about me and what I wanted to do. And I thought that maybe, it sounds so silly, that maybe I could take that, not take that choice back. I don't know. It's uh, it's all, mm. your feelings are weird. I don't know. <laughs> but that's, and the day came and I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it felt like that choice was taken away from me all over again. Yeah. I so desperately needed it to be about me just because I felt like none of it last year was about me and what I wanted. Yeah. Um, and from there, I think that's when I kind of realised how much it's affected me. And I think that's when I maybe started to process what happened. Mm-hmm. And I, like I, I still, I still feel it now. Like every day, I feel it now. And it's it's terribly exhausting. And I talk, like I talk to my family, and I I talk to my dad about it a lot. And he says to me, like, you need to, like, you have to let it go. And I'm like, like I I know I have to let <laughs> it go. I know I need to move on from this because it's affecting. It's starting to affect so many parts of my life. Like me and the partner who I had the abortion with, we we split up. Um, but I feel this really deep connection towards him. Yeah, of course. So like the only thing that reminds me of the baby, I guess, mm-hmm. is him. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I can't, I can't let it go. I can't let the abortion go, which is making it very difficult for me to let him go. Yeah. Because it feels like he's part of that for me. Of course. And he was the only person who was like consistently there through this process. Yeah. Um. But it's, yeah, it's, it's peculiar and it's weird and I, can't explain it to anybody that hasn't had an abortion or but I I also I had a girlfriend that had an abortion this year and she was so like straight away she knew exactly what she wanted Mm. and I remember being jealous almost that she that she could feel that sense of I know exactly what I'm doing and this is what I want yeah. I so desperately wish that I could have I so desperately wish that I could have um felt that. Yeah. I wish I had have felt differently because I feel like maybe things would be a lot different for me now. But I think maybe feeling the the pain that I feel now is like I'm, de- I'm dealing with it. I guess I feel yeah. like maybe I'm actually starting to 
my therapist says it all the time. It's such a cliche, but like process it in inverted commas. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but. But I feel like it's not, I mean, you say now that you wish you had, that you were also clear in your like thoughts and decision making and stuff, but it feels like that that maybe wasn't necessarily the issue, that the issue was that you didn't get the space and the opportunity to explore like the choices that you had nor the space to voice your doubts um, or what you wanted and what you didn't want. And perhaps if you were given the time to explore these options, regardless of what your decision would have been at the end, you'd at least come out of it. Or I'd like to think that you'd at least come out of it calmer, knowing that you had the time to come to that decision on your own and that you did come to that decision on your own. Yeah. That's, that's another thing I think about as well. Like, Maybe there's a strong chance that maybe I would have come to the same conclusion. And had I have done that, maybe I wouldn't feel how I how I feel now about it all. But I and I can I can rationalize that and I can think about it in my head and pragmatically be like, there's a solid chance you you would have made the same choice. But I my brain just won't let me do it. No, I'm, but of course. I mean, I understand that. Um, and I think it's also because there's like so many external factors, like the fact that like all it could have taken was one question, like one person to ask you, what do you want? Or like, are you sure? Do you need some time? How do you feel about this? Yeah. Like from your partner or from a nurse or the person who was inserting the anesthesia or yeah. like even if just the receptionist at the clinic could have asked, are you okay? Is this what you want? Are you sure? Then at least it would have put the decision back into your hands. Like you, you never got the chance to say that you never got the chance to say, no, this isn't actually what I want. Or actually I'm not so sure yet. I'm not ready for this yet. I need a little bit more time. Like you never got the chance to voice any of those doubts and you just, you went through the motions of like, all right, this is what I have to do. You like physically got your body to go, but your mind wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I think I must have been walking around in a daze, you know. I like I think back to that time and I'm like, what on earth was going through your head? I must have been walking around in an absolute daze because I feel like I there is no way I could have seen any of it clearly. Yeah. And did you ever get a chance to talk to your partner about all of this? My partner at the time? Yes. I, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, to, to, to an extent, it's a difficult topic. Yeah. I think it must be very hard when, yeah, when like, or I feel like there's a lot of conflicting thoughts about what the partner's role is in abortion. And like, of course, there's people who say like, this has nothing to do with the person whose sperm it was. Like, you don't have to talk to them. You know, a partner shouldn't have a say in it. And, of course, when you're in a relationship with Mm. someone that you love and who's your partner and your friend and your support and all of these things, like, of course you want to include them. And it is something that affects him. And it's something that affects your relationship. So it is very hard to entangle yourself from, from that partnership when making this decision. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's so true. And I, that's something I struggled with massively is 
being so conflicted in my feelings of like, I'm so pro-choice and I'm so for like women doing whatever they need to do that's best for them and to protect their bodies and their future and all that and feeling how I feel about it all. Yeah, but those are not in contradiction. I don't think that those are in contradiction. Like your abortion experience and your personal feelings around your own abortion don't have to align with your political opinion or your feminist like standing towards abortion, you know, like just because you believe that people should have the right to make their own decisions around their bodies doesn't mean that you're okay with what happened to you. Yeah, that's true. And it doesn't mean that you should have felt like empowered by your experience, which obviously in so many ways it was disempowering, like from how little space you had to come to this decision yourself to how you were treated by the medical staff and like, the whole thing was so disempowering that it makes total sense that you felt this loss of control. And I think it only goes to show that this pro-choice language is problematic and it's inadequate because obviously not everyone has a choice and not everyone gets to make the choice. And for many people, the choice was like never given to them. That's something I really struggled when I started, I guess, processing this whole thing. I started searching the internet for like, similar people first Mm -hmm. to find stories of like similar things of how they felt about their abortion to how I felt about mine and Mm -hmm. kind of what happened and I wasn't able to to find it anywhere I felt like it was all just so many women being like I had an abortion and I was upset about it but like it was the best thing for me and I'm really happy with my decision I feel like there's no real conversation about the negative effects that it can have on you or like Mm -hmm. I feel like because we've as a pro-choice movement we're so harsh is the wrong word stringent maybe on like you can choose this and it's okay that we kind of forgot the whole idea of like you can choose it and it'd be okay but it can still affect you deeply and you you can still grieve like You've still lost something, whether you're like 20 weeks or whether you're nine weeks or whether you're three weeks, like you're still losing a part of your body. And if you, and then, but again, on the other hand, like if you feel nothing, if you feel like you lost nothing, that's also okay too. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like we, as a movement, I guess, need to change the way we talk about it. So it's, it doesn't feel so like, oh, I have to be okay about it. Like I have to, I had no idea that I was allowed to be sad, which sounds so ridiculous. I had, but I had absolutely no idea that I was allowed to grieve Yeah, because I was just like, okay, well it happened and now we move on. Yeah. And I also feel like maybe have it like, I let some of my friends down that had abortions because I didn't check on them because I just didn't, it was just out of a complete inability to understand. Like I, I just didn't realize that it could number one, make you feel how it can make you feel. And and number two, that you even allowed to feel that way. Yeah. I understand. And I think what you said before, like, that we often approach abortion like, yeah, yeah, it's just a bunch of cells and like 
okay, for many people that is exactly what they feel and that's totally fine and they don't feel connected to the pregnancy at all. And it's a pretty stress-free experience, but like that you're in that in your own experience, you really felt connected to the pregnancy and felt like you lost a life and that there really was something growing inside of you and you lost that. And I'm really sorry that you felt so alone in that because many people do feel that connection. Many people feel grief and, and, and feel that it's really a hard thing to have done. And I'm sorry that as a movement, we've failed in making space for those feelings and for those experiences. Why did you want to share your story on the podcast? I um, feel like I spent so long looking for someone to relate to and I just wasn't able to find it. And even if me sharing my story just helps one person, it kind of feels like maybe it brought some sort of purpose or meaning to this awful thing that I feel happened to me. Yeah. Like if I'm just able to help one person, then I don't know. It, I guess it means something. Like there's something positive that can come from such a negative experience. Yeah. And I'm sure that it will definitely do that. I feel like there's a lot of parts of this story that people will relate to and find comfort in. And I think like that's what's very beautiful about storytelling. It's a real experience that someone went through and just the knowledge that someone else went through that, that like you aren't the first or like the only person who's experiencing that, I think it makes people feel a lot less alone and more validated and, you know, to feel like, okay, someone else went through it. I can go through it. And like, it's okay that I'm going through this, even if it's hard. Yeah. It's very lonely. It's a, it's a very lonely feeling. Hopefully somebody who feels maybe as lonely as I feel they don't feel as lonely if they hear this yeah that would be nice yeah how are you feeling now okay I managed to not cry so that's nice <laughs> I'm an ugly crier so I don't feel like it would sound very nice <laughs> <laughs> we're all ugly criers Lou <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story it- has been really my honor to listen to it thank you thank you for having this platform and allowing thank you for allowing me to tell it all right thank you lou for sharing your story and thanks to everyone for listening if you like the podcast and want to support what i do you can send this episode or any episode to someone you think who might enjoy it You can follow me on social media, you can send me a message, or you could donate. All the information is on www.abortionwithlove.com. Alright, for all of you who are celebrating this holiday season, I hope you have a wonderful time, and I hope you get to hug all your family and friends, and for those of you who are not celebrating, I also hope you get to hug your family and friends, um, and enjoy the rest of the year. I'll say Happy New Year already now, um, and I'll see you in 2022. All right. 
Much love to everyone. Yeah, and even if I'll be sharing my story, it just helps one person. It, it kind of feels like maybe it brought some sort of purpose or meaning.